read the word of God this morning. Nick, thank you for setting me up with uh, the text this morning. <laughs> Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias come and, and pray and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest those who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen, somebody say chosen, chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word together this morning. You may be seated. The conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus is one of the most stirring portions of all of Scripture. The events that unfold start with a man who is not indifferent to God, a man who is not just going along in society with no regard 
to the things of faith, but it starts with a man who has made his life mission to condemn and persecute those who had become Christians. It is not even that he was not religious. Paul described himself as a Jew among Jews. The text tells us that he was communicating with the Jewish leaders, including the head of those people, the high priest. Saul must have been pretty Jewish to have the ear of the high priest. Saul would have been considered a religious man. You see, faith in Christ is not a matter of religion, it's a matter of relationship. In fact, a great case can be made that religion with its creeds, its demands, and its practices are contrary to the life of the transformed believer. Before I received Christ, I didn't consider myself an enemy of God, but somewhat involved and even casually religious. You see, casual religion has a very limited effect on its members, its followers. In Paul's letter uh, to, to Timothy, his second letter to Timothy, he describes people who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. These are the casual religious who exhibit a form of faith but deny its power, and that power is transformation. I can say I was among that number at one time. The name-changing, life-changing transformation of Saul to Paul is a picture of complete turnaround in dramatic fashion. True transformation. The guy who was killing and and persecuting Christians was transformed into the evangelist who would venture out to what was then considered heathen territory, the world of the Gentiles, and take the world for Christ. You and I are the beneficiaries. I said, you and I are the beneficiaries of this transformed man's life and ministry in one way or another. Paul's travels throughout Europe and Asia brought the good news of the gospel of Jesus to people groups who, nothing, who knew nothing but the legends of the stories of the Jews. He brought Jesus to the world. Let's look at this great story and unpack some of this text. Number one, God initiated contact with Saul. God initiated contact with Saul. We see in verse 3 that suddenly, somebody say suddenly. suddenly. Oh, don't say suddenly. Say suddenly. suddenly. Thank you. <laughs> suddenly the light flashed from where? From heaven, it says. And suddenly... Saul heard a voice. Note that it says that Saul was close to Damascus. He was nearing the place where the plan was to carry out his mission to do harm to Christ's followers there. He was getting close 
to the mission. You've heard it said that God is always right on time. I've heard some pretty good preaching on that subject. Amen? We see here that God is right on time. He chooses to intersect the life of Paul in a profound, attention-grabbing manner. Jesus wasn't messing around here. <laughs> he was going after the prize, the guy who was doing harm to his people. God initiated the contact, and he made it impactful. It was Saul's time and place to have his life dramatically and eternally changed. Friends, transformation, listen, transformation always has a starting point. It always has a starting point. A moment in time when the message of God gets through and grabs your attention. Your starting point on the road to transformation probably wasn't or won't be a bolt of lightning and a voice from heaven. More than likely. Could be. More than likely. More likely, it'll be a word through a brother or sister in Christ. It will, it will be just at the right time when God chooses to intersect with your life. And transformation will begin. Secondly, the message was loud and clear. The message was loud and clear. Saul heard a voice. The voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Kind of like, hey, Saul, what are you doing with your life? Why are you on this road? Why are you with this crowd? Why are you involved in these kinds of activities? What are you spending your life on? I believe that Saul, as a good Jew, even a zealous Jew, thought he was doing the right thing. I believe he was an educated man, one who had sat under the teaching of the Jewish law. But God, say but God, but God had in his all-seeing, all-knowing heart the plan of the gospel and acted on earth through his son Jesus. I said, but God had in his all-seeing, all-knowing heart the plan of the gospel enacted on the earth through his son Jesus. It wasn't the plan or the method that the Jews of the day were looking for. It wasn't the powerful conquering king that would sweep in and get rid of the Roman Empire. It was the child in the manger. The kid who amazed the temple elders. The master of the twelve disciples. The teacher in the Sermon on the Mount. It was the feeder of the five thousand. The healer of many. The one who forgave sin and raised the dead. It was the one who would die a cruel death on a cross only to rise again on the third day. That's the plan God had in mind. And when the time was right, he planted it in Saul of Tarsus. That's the plan that was on the mind of the creator of the universe. Saul, why are you on this road? 
Saul's response to the question is, Who are you, Lord? Not just who are you, but who are you, Lord? Saul knew enough to know that this messenger meant business. That this messenger was no ordinary messenger. Friend, what does it take for God to get your attention? He's calling out to us daily. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Most of us haven't had the light from the sky and the voice from heaven experience. But there, listen, there is something embedded in the human soul that recognizes the voice of God. The gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit. Saul needed a dramatic wake-up call. A moment of moments. A roadblock. Saul needed a change of plans. And some of us, more than others, require more convincing to hear the voice of God and what he's saying. The message of Jesus cuts right to the heart. He says, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. It's personal to Jesus. Listen, it's personal. No beating around the bush. It's impactful. He didn't say, I'm Jesus and you're picking on my kids. He said, you are persecuting me. You see, it's personal to Jesus. Jesus loves sinners. He loves them to the point that it breaks his heart when people are stubborn and doubtful and disobedient. So he steps in. Say, steps in. Nick, he steps in, brother. He steps in. When we're stubborn and we're disobedient and we're addicted, Jesus steps in, doesn't he? He steps in. He, he steps in with all the means at his disposal. And in our day and age, friends, that's the prompting of the Holy Spirit the third person of the Godhead, Jesus wants to redirect our misguided lives. Jesus wants to redirect your misguided life, even if it's well-intentioned. And he does it in this day and time through the operation of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. By the way, it says that the men who were with him stood there speechless. The transformation of a life will always be noticed by those who are hanging around. They won't know what to say or what to do, but they're going to notice. Hey, Joe, did you hear that? Hear what? It, I don't know, but Saul's acting real strange about now. Dramatically transformed lives are noticed by those around them. Hopefully some of it rubs off. Let me ask, have you seen the transforming, saving of power of God intersect someone's life lately? Have you seen the transforming power of God intersect somebody's life lately? We should be praying daily that God, through his spirit, reaches and impacts those around us. 
And, and we should be praying daily for those that we know that need to hear the message that God wants to share. That Jesus is Savior and Lord, and he has come to personally transform lives, to free captives, to heal broken hearts, to save sinners. The message is loud and clear. Those people around had no idea what was going on with Paul, and all they could do was lead him blindly into town. Number three. Transformation often, and I struggled with either often or always here, transformation often requires partnership. Partnership. As Nick so beautifully shared, the heavenly messenger instructs Saul to get up, go to town, and look up a guy named Ananias. Ananias here in this text is described by one word, a disciple. This was the person, an on fire, born again, Holy Spirit disciple that Jesus directed for Saul to connect with. That's what Jesus does. I said, that's what Jesus does. He puts people together for their mutual good and for the upbuilding of God to his glory. Ananias was the guy that, that, that God chose to pray life into Saul, soon to be Paul. Friends, who is your Ananias? The one that God has chosen to speak and pray new life into you. Some of the great work of the Holy Spirit in this day. Maybe his greatest work is to match people together to accomplish his work in us. How many times have you guys seen that in Transformation Trail? Transformation occurs in groups, in pairs, in flocks, in herds, in pods, in coveys. The stories of transformed people that I have come in contact with always include someone, an Ananias, who was instrumental in getting God's message across to its intended target. You see, as God was starting to work on old brother Saul, God was giving specific instructions to brother Ananias. Think about it as God was inter intersecting the life of Saul, he was already instructing Ananias. That's what God does. Ananias is a disciple. He has heard, learned to hear the voice of God. He has learned discernment. And so when the voice of Jesus speaks, he has this conversation with Jesus, doesn't he? <laughs> is this the same Saul of Tarsus that I've heard stories about? <laughs> Word on the street is that he's headed this way to do terrible things to us Jesus followers. You can't possibly be talking about the same guy here. <laughs> And, and Jesus, you know, I probably would have been one of his targets. 
I'm probably one of the guys that he would have put in chains and hauled off to Jerusalem. Ananias. You know, <laughs> Ananias followed right in the footsteps of his predecessors, such as Abraham and Moses, who initially had doubt and excuses about the message they had heard from God. <laughs> Moses looks at the burning bush. He says, who are you? And then receives instruction as to what he's going to do. And he says, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Abraham. Remember? God says to Abraham, your offspring are going to be in the bazillions. And Abraham says, that ain't going to happen. You know? Many times, God speaks the impossible. Or what looks like us, looks from our vantage point, from our vantage point of the natural, it looks impossible. Our human weakness of not fully trusting God's voice is on display here. But the conversation was short-lived, and Ananias fulfills obediently what was asked of him. What a moment it must have been for Ananias and Saul, soon to be Paul, to share together as the Holy Spirit of God pours new life into a former anti-God warrior. What a moment, huh? In that dramatic moment, the scales came off of Saul's eyes and he could see again. The scales fell off his eyes. The scales illustrate the spiritual blindness that had taken root in Saul's life. Rabbit trail alert. Pardon me, folks, but when I go down a preaching rabbit trail, I tend to warn them first. <laughs> Last month, I had cataract surgery. You are looking great. You're looking just great. But I had lost my vision gradually over a period of years as the cataract scales had covered my eyes. And I didn't realize until the cataracts were taken away how good you all can look. <laughs> cataract surgery is one of the most remarkable things I think that they're doing. Y'all who've had it say amen. Yes. Yes. See the See, the scales came off of Paul's eyes and the hardness began to come off of Paul's heart because God had connected with him through his Ananias. Remarkable. Listen, despite being raised in a religious Jewish home, despite years of study in the Torah, the law, despite being at the synagogue regularly and developing relationship with the religious leaders of the day, Paul was spiritually blind. He was blind to what God was doing in the world in, 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 in fulfillment Listen, in fulfillment of all the things that Saul had actually learned. 
You see, I, I got to believe, as a good Jew, that Saul had learned about blood sacrifice. And all along, blood sacrifice for sin was going to happen once for all in Jesus, for you and for me, and, and for everyone. He was blind to what God was doing in the world through the Savior, Jesus Christ. He could not see until Ananias prayed his scales off. We need to, listen, we need to pray the scales off of blind eyes. We need to pray the scales off of spiritually blind people. Let me ask you this. Is there an Ananias who God wants to use to speak into your life to begin or continue the work of transformation in you? Is there one? Friend, please don't resist this. So often, God wants to use someone to speak life into another person, another brother or sister. Please, I ask of you, be receptive to what God wants to say to you. And he likely wants to say it through a Christian brother or sister. Very likely. While I'm asking questions, who has God put on your radar? You mature, healthy Christians, as I stand before you, the ministry of transformation wants to make itself effective in someone else through your life. Your friendship, your love for a brother or sister, God wants to use that to speak transformation into that other person. Friend, please don't resist God's call on your life to be an Ananias. You know the prompting when you feel it. I need to say something here. I need to do something here. I need to come alongside of somebody here. You know that prompting in the Holy Spirit in your life. Number four. Transformation always means a new start. Say new start. It is significant in this story that Saul was temporarily blind. It says in verse 8 that when he got up, he could not see, and that he had to be led by the hand into town. It says that he did not eat or drink anything for three days. I've thought a lot about this. I think Saul, soon to be Paul, had to start from scratch. He would have to rethink all the things that he previously thought to be true. The guy now named Paul would have to think differently. New start. He would have to consider that those that he was formerly seeking to kill were now his brothers and sisters. Somebody say transformation. He would have to consider that all that he had been taught as a good Jew was turned on its religious ear 
but he would see that it was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Friends, only true holy transformation, holy spirit transformation can do this kind of work in your life. A new way of living brought on by a new way of thinking in the life of Saul, now renamed Paul. So I suppose you could say at this point the rest is history. The transformation on the road to Damascus was the start of arguably the most powerful preaching ministry in history. How do I know it was just the start? Look at the next verse in our text, verse 21. Verse 21 tells us that as soon that he soon began to preach in Damascus, and the message was what? Kill the Christians. Nope. The message was Jesus is the Son of God. And those who heard them were astonished. Say astonished. Verse 22 says that he grew more powerful in his preaching. He baffled the religiously trained Jews, and he proved that Jesus was the Messiah. He proved that Jesus... I, I told you I told you that those around would notice, didn't I? <laughs> The man who had made his life mission to round up and imprison to persecute the followers of Christ is now the world's primary ambassador for Jesus and a pastor and a friend to his followers. Transformation. Complete, radical turnaround. The book of Acts deals for us, or details for us, Paul's life mission to take the good news of Jesus to those who are considered unworthy and unclean. The powerful anointing on his life is seen in so many ways in the scriptures, in the establishment of churches, in the, in the preaching and the reasoning of the gospels, and very importantly to you and I, his writings to the churches, his letters to the churches, and to his brethren form the foundation of the great doctrines of our faith. You want to learn about the doctrines of the Christian faith? Read Romans. You want to learn about, about joy in the Christian life? Read Philippians. You want to learn about, about, about love and loving one another? Read First and Second Corinthians. Paul's letters to us form the foundation for how we are to live our life and, and, and practice our faith. Transformation. Look at Philippians 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived, 
at my goal, but remember this famous text, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Boy, after what we've talked about this evening, doesn't that word resonate? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen, Paul's complete transformation on the Damascus Road was the starting line. As his life of ministry got underway and progressed and expanded, his attitude of learning, of growth, of personal transformation never stopped. It, it was his mission. He had a discipleship mindset to press forward. His mindset was that he hadn't arrived. He hadn't figured it all, right, all out. He was continuing uh, he was continually working on his discipleship in his life and in his spirit. He's still working on me to make him what I want to be. I can't do one of these sermons without singing Bill Gaither theology. Transformation is a lifelong prog uh, process in our lives. If we learn anything else in this series it will it'll be a bonus but the core idea that I want to get through to us that God wants to teach us is that transformation is not a one time event in our lives it is an ongoing and I contend to you a never ending process yeah. Nick your transformation trail only began when Jesus entered your life We need to see our discipleship and our transformation as a constant, ongoing, never-ending process in our lives. A couple of points to think about as we close. Number one, am I in a position to hear and obey the voice of God. There's a whole sermon here, but I just want to say to you, are you positioning yourself daily to be able to take the scales off and the earplugs out and be able to see and hear what God is doing? Are you positioning yourself? Number two, does my life exemplify the transformation power of God? A little self-exam here. It's my daily life and my daily walk exemplary. Exemplary being, does it is it an example of the work that God is doing in my life? Exemplary. The transformation work that God is doing in my life. <laughs> Number three, remember I told you folks around will notice? Is there evidence that those around me 
will notice transformation. I've heard preachers say, if you were on trial for being a Christian, is there, is there evidence? Yeah. That's pretty good stuff. Is there evidence that those around me see a transformed life? See a changed life? See a life that walked this way and now walks that way? See a life that spoke this way and now speaks a different way? See a life that, that never forgave, that now is in the habit of forgiving. You see, transformation, I've said it over and over again, you're going to be so tired of me saying this stuff. Transformation involves changed thinking. And changed thinking turns itself into changed speaking, changed decision-making, and changed impact to the world around you. Mike, would you play the video, please, as we close?